0: Last week, I had the honor and the pleasure of having Miss Eliza Van Court on the podcast. We talked about her new book, which is releasing today A Woman's Guide to Claiming Space. Stand tall, raise your voice be heard. And we got into a lot of different conversations that pertained mostly and mainly to making sure that women are taking up the space that they deserve to take up in our society. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, I invite you to do so. But not before you listen to this episode, this bonus episode with Eliza and four of her mentees. and sometimes I'm dining a la carte. No matter how I'm dining, it promises to be delicious. Let's dig in. Chandler Palmer is a graduate of honors at Cornell University, confidently working in the medical field. She is on the journey to medical school to represent not only in the obstetrics, gynecology, and psychiatry fields, but more black women in these specialties. Rebecca Joseph is currently a first year law student at Brooklyn Law School. She is a Cornell University class of 2019 graduate. At Cornell, Rebecca majored in American studies and Africana studies while minoring in law and society. Genesis Herbea is a first-generation Latina pursuing a Master of Science in Social Work at the Steve Hicks School of Social Work at the University of Texas at Austin. She is interested in social justice, mental health, and the well-being of the Latinx com- community and other marginalized populations. Eunice Lalan is currently a Health Policy Analyst in Washington, D.C. The things most important to her are her faith, her family, and treating every single person with respect and equity. Hello, I am so excited to be here with Eliza again but not just Eliza I have some beautiful young ladies to add to the mix today we have Genesis we have Rebecca we have Eunice and we have Chandler hello ladies
1: Eliza thank you so much for having these ladies join us today I am so excited. This is my first podcast with them, and I cannot tell you how excited I am. We're doing one more, and this is just so, so, so exciting. So thank you all for coming, and thank you for having me again.
0: Oh my gosh, it's so much my pleasure, and I'm so excited to have you guys because this is my first time doing a group podcast, so this this is going to be very interesting to see how this all works out. (laughs) But before we jump into anything of, you know, that's super heavy, you know, like the, the meat and potatoes, like I like to say, I want uh, one of these young ladies to tell me, how did you all meet? Because um, I know that you guys are all in different parts of the country as I am. So we're, we're, we're spread across the country right now. And the, the beauty of technology is that we all get to be here. But tell me if one of you will, how did you all meet?
2: Hi, um, we all met, so we went to school at Cornell, uh, we graduated all the same year, but in our last year, there was a, an event that went out for a movie night at a cook house fellow's house. Now, I was like, yeah, I don't know how I feel about going to somebody's house, so I decided, well, Eunice and I decided to round up all of our friends, and and go together because you know if we all go together then if we need to run we can all run as <laughs> <laughs> um. so we ended up going and we had we had gotten there and eliza came to the door and she said, hi how's everyone doing i was like whoa this lady is not how i expected <laughs> and we sat down we watched the matrix talked about ways for the rest of the time there we didn't end up leaving until like maybe like 10 11 o'clock and we were like yeah we're gonna go back again if we can we actually asked the cookhouse ra who had set it up at that time his name is in Mecca, he was really wonderful um we asked him like when can we see eliza again like we were badgering him about it and he was like i'll figure it out with eliza i'll see what i can do (laughs) and then it just kind of went from there that's
0: fantastic wow so eliza it seems that you still have the same aura because you know when we got on our podcast i was like oh she's great you know it was it was just this this feeling this warmth and so i guess that
1: that's what drew the girls to you as well that's awesome yeah well i just i mean i i it was love at first sight I just really adored them all almost like instantly <laughs> we hit it off I mean I will say there, we had a big group first and then some people didn't come back which kind of was uh, like good in some ways because we just got our own little group you know what I mean so we just formed our own little thing and I think it was Chandler is that right Chandler that at the end when you were like let's form a group like let's do a convos in the kitchen text thread was that your idea because we've been just like we've had this endless text thread ever since
2: oh i'm pretty sure but then after that you know at first it was i think we all named it together because at first it was just a really big group chat and then we all were like well we're always in her kitchen eating or or talking or doing something
3: and we all just kind of came up with the name
2: but uh, I think Genesis has something
3: that she wanted to share. Yeah, I just wanted to comment back to Eliza. Oh, we were enamored with you too, just as much. Oh. Was- <laughs> mm-hmm. That's
0: so fantastic. Yeah. You know, you know, I relate a lot to the story that you told. Um, I'm much older than you but when I was in college it was always a thing I was like I'm not going there by myself I'm bringing some girls in if we (laughs) gotta run we gotta just you know take off or if it's just not feeling right then we can say oh I have to take my friend back because she's got a stomach ache or you know (laughs) right
1: so I
0: totally relate to that that's fantastic
1: so the the, oh, the funny oh, thing ahead. for me actually was that, you know, as a cookhouse fellow, they give you a budget and they're like, oh, you could do paintball or you can take them canoeing. And I was like... I don't know, man. Like my people don't do that. Like we're not keen on that stuff. Like we don't do paintball. So like, my, I can't think of my very neurotic Jewish father being like, don't do paintball. You go in your eyeball. So, you know, I'm like, like no, I'm not doing that. So um, so I was like, why don't we just, you know, my mom's Italian Um, and we're very much about the, like the breaking that side of the family, breaking bread and actually yeah. both sides are. And so I was like, why don't we just not do an activity can you guys just give me that budget and I'll use it for food? For food. And, then, and we got great food, my favorite foods. Just went out and got tons of food for everybody. It was awesome.
0: That's fantastic. And so how often would you actually get together and and, and do this?
3: Genesis? No. I was just gonna I was just gonna comment on the food. Oh my God. Yes. I absolutely love because of you. I realized how much I love gluten and how much I love that little like Italian olive oil dip. Like I make it, I make it all the time now.
1: Yes. That's yes. <laughs> that is so awesome. Yeah, so, no, I thought that's the best way to do it, you
0: know? Yeah, I think, you know, food is a universal love language, really, because I think if you can break bread with someone and enjoy that communal event together, you're good. Yeah,
4: Eunice? Oh, just going off of what you said, Sadie, like, I think that's what made us so comfortable with Eliza. She fed us. She asked us how we were. That's all you need. And we just started talking. That's just so yeah. You
0: need. And and you just kind of open up and it helps that you have a warm person saying, hey, let's just talk and let's eat. And then once that happens, it's like anything can come out. And then you say something, you're like, oh, did I just say that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I also think I remember as a young person, because um, I had, as I think we talked about in the first podcast, a pretty traumatic childhood in some ways. And I remember um, one of the times where I'd come back after my mom had taken me illegally. And I was, mm. my dad got me a big sister in the big sister, big brother program. I just got out of foster care. And um, I don't even think you guys know all of the stories. And I was sitting there on the ground and my big sister from came in and said, let's do all these things. And she had all these things she was ready to do with me. And I said, you know, I just want to call her because, you know, I didn't want to do anything. And I just remember her sitting there and listening to me and just listening. And I I was really scared of the world of this long curtain of hair I hid behind. It was, you know, really traumatized. And I just sat there and talked to this person I never met for two hours. And I remember just as I've gotten older, I have so many women, I've been very fortunate enough to help me. I've thought just the power of actually caring about what somebody says and the feeling like someone cares about what you're saying is really important. It's how, you know, I think that that doesn't happen enough is we don't just kind of talk to each other and listen to each other.
3: Yeah. Genesis. Yeah. And I, I really resonate a lot with what you're saying. Cause so I'm, I'm a therapist in training. Essentially I'm in a master's in social work program and that's what I'm doing. I'm seeing my own clients right now. And I think that for a lot of my cohort sometimes there's a lot of anxiety and we're just kind of like oh we need to be doing the specific techniques we need to be doing evidence-based stuff but the relationship in and of itself and just being able to be there with someone and to be able to support them and show that you care for them and show that you're listening that in and of itself it's very healing and sometimes it's hard to remember that that most basic thing sometimes there's a lot of the work with the client
0: yeah it's true I think as the years go on we get faster and faster like our like our society moves faster and faster and faster and we forget to to listen. We forget to we forget that there is actually a response when you say how are you. <laughs> right? It's so simple. You say how are you and there's supposed to be a response. But we've gotten to the place where the automatic response is I'm good or I'm doing well or I'm great and then you just everybody just keeps moving on. Where, if we stopped and said, No, really, how are you? There would probably be more to come up behind it, right? Because we're listening.
4: Yeah. That being said, Eliza not only asked us how we were doing, but she, she like facilitated the conversation, like she got into our lives in a good way, not like in a nosy way, but in trying to help help us grow because you know we were just seniors confused lost I was I don't know about you guys um, but I was so I just she listened and she also probed and that's what the difference was between Eliza and like other professors and other people at the university
1: right so important so important you guys are making me cry <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's you know I think sometimes <laughs> people don't realize the impact that they can have just in small little things. You think that you have to do huge things in order to move the needle for any one person. And sometimes that's not what you need to do. Sometimes it's just a matter of having someone sit with you. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're going to sit here and we're going to be quiet. I can do that, right? And then they feel like someone is there, there's presence and then they're supported and then that's good, right? So it's it just really depends Rebecca,
2: I made
0: what are it your better. Oh, go yeah, ahead, Rebecca. Then, no, yeah, Rebecca. No, Rebecca. <laughs> Rebecca.
5: <laughs> I think specifically what Elijah was saying, like, sh- I think she kind of like helped me deal with the fact that I might have to take, like, I t- ended up taking a year off from law school, and like accepting that that was going to be a possibility. Because I think, because my parents are very Caribbean, they're Caribbean, Grenadian to be exact. They're just very like, y- you need to go to school as much as you can. And like, not, they're like, what are you doing in between that year off? <laughs> and they're just like, just accepting like things don't necessarily go our way. Yeah. I don't regret not taking a year off because I do think it wouldn't have been like the best in general for me to just like go straight to law school. Like accepting that there is not just one way or just like going along with what your parents are saying just for the sake of them saying it.
0: I'm so glad that you said that because my sister and she graduated. So my sister graduated from college a year early and she got accepted to law school. And she says, and they say that I can defer for a year. I said, do it, do it, do it. Cause I am older, you know, by seven years, I'm older, um, than my sister. And I was like, do it, take that year off, do something else, work, travel, do whatever. And she was like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And she ended up not taking that year off. And her three years in, in law school were, they, they almost did her in like, you know, she, it was just so stressful for her to be in law school, not having taken the time off, not even knowing if she really wanted to be there, but because she's there now she feels like she had to finish. And um, I feel that it would have been a different thing had she taken that year to really kind of think about what she wanted to do. So I'm so happy you did that. You said that um, and that that you did that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think there is so much pressure just to go, 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 go. And I mean, especially now because the economy is shrinking, especially the way it's impacting women, particularly women of color, you know, there is this, it's a scarcity. We're in a, a moment of scarcity. So adopting that scarcity mentality is so tempting because it's kind of scary out there right now. Um, but I think that in the long run, that doesn't usually work when you're going at things from a place of scarcity. And, and there's a one thing that I always stress is, you know, the idea that bravery is not you know not being afraid it's being absolutely terrified and doing something anyway and doing it you anyway need to be a, a little terrified and just say I'm not my thing that I'm going to do is not do the thing right now because I need time to figure out what I want to do yeah because I, yeah. I did a lot my senior year because
5: I was president of a club I did two majors I had three minors and worked on top of that <laughs> So realistically, I I needed a break. And I didn't realize that until like Eliza and everyone else in this kind of group was like, you need to take a year off after all you did senior year. You just, just take a break. Mm-hmm. And it helped because it helped increase my LSAT score. It helped make me become a better candidate. And I also think like I wasn't getting as much financial aid at when I applied the first round as I did the second round. So it did make a difference. And I had a lot more schools to choose from this round. Mm-hmm. Nice.
2: I think, like, how we grew up, at least Rebecca and I respectively, like, we always grew up knowing, like, there is just a rat race, like, you go, you keep going, and, like, once I sat down myself, because I'm, this would be, I'll be almost, like, two years since I've been out of, like, school, we don't, we're not, like, born on this earth to just pay bills and thank you and do nothing mm-hmm. like we're supposed to make experiences and like actually live your life and when I started like when we started the whole group I was like I really want to be an OBGYN like that is my passion like everybody can tell you I was so passionate about being a doctor and now that I work as a medical scribe and I'm swabbing people for COVID and I'm like helping out providers I know that being an OBGYN isn't exactly what I want to be I don't think <laughs> I don't think acute vaginitis is something I want to continue seeing anytime soon, <laughs> but, but, but no. I know that like moving forward, I know that I want to be able to make connections and make networks with people who are able to get me to what I want to do, or at least some type of, or at least in the field that I want to be in. I still want to be in the medical field and I still want to become a provider. I just think educating women of color at a younger age about what it means to, you know, be in the medical field or not having people who are doctors in your family, what that means for you and how hard that's going to be. Because a lot of first, well, I can't speak for first gen because I'm not a first gen, but I know being a first-generation student going into college or even going into medical school or any kind of grad school is so hard because no one's done it before you. And if you don't have the right support system or you don't have the right networks, it's so hard to move up from there. And you're like, okay, what's next? You don't know what's next because there isn't anybody to give you some form of advice, some sort of like, if you do this, then you'll, you'll have these options. But if you go to this lady that I know, she can give you more options. And I'm so grateful that like Eliza became my mentor because it it's helped me understand a lot of reasons why you have to think about your choices and plan out your choices before you like go out and just make them. Because there's sometimes you could have choices that are good in like the short term, but they actually like hurt you in the long term. So yeah.
4: Yeah. Absolutely. I think the moral of the story is normalizing taking your time and that it's okay to take your time and Please, yes something.
0: yes so here's a question i have for you you are all young ladies of color black women and young women of color and i know growing up that one of the the, the stories that i was told time and time again is you have to be better
2: mm.
0: you have to work harder in order to do the same thing that someone who's mediocre but who is white
2: does is that a story that you've heard as well yes absolutely yes it was I think when I was so when I went to high school it was mostly people of color but when I got to college I realized that there in my junior year um there was a poetry teacher and I don't think The only person who knows this story is Rebecca, but and Genesis probably, but she had these expectations for poetry work, and I loved writing poetry, and I thought it was great, and when I would give in my work, I'd be so confident, and I'd get a C, and I'm like, why am I getting a C, and I'm asking the teacher, like, what can I do to, like, get better grades, what are the expectations that I'm not following? And this kid who sat next to me, and I was one of only two Black girls in the class, he's like, oh, why did you get a C? I did it last night and I got an A. And I was like, what do you mean last night? You mean like last last night, like you just sat down and wrote something on a piece of paper and gave it to her? Are you talking about last night? Like, oh, I have to do my homework now. So I guess I'll just put a little bit of effort into it. He's like, no, I did it before. I just did it before I went to bed. And after that, I was like, long story short, it was it ended up being a Title IX on academic intimidation
3: because mm. she
2: would threaten that I would not pass her class and that I would never move past her class and I would not and I would fail out of her class. And that was the only class in my major that I had to take before graduation. And I had to sit down with my thesis advisor and explain to her because I didn't know what to do. It was like, how could how, how can I work twice as hard for something that I really love to write and love to do and someone can just come by and just write something some scratch scratch on a paper because when I read it it really wasn't that good but it rhymed and it made sense so I know it was coherent it just did not, not it did not meet her expectation that she just gave him an A just because and she was like you know you have to really think about it like if you're the only two black girls in this class and you're pumping out work that's better she's it could either be academic intimidation or it could just be that she's blind. And I know she's not blind because she wearing glasses and I'm sure her 2020 vision looking good. <laughs> but it, it just it just sucked. Like it, it, it sucked. And after that, I was like, I know that I have to work double just to get somewhere.
0: Yeah. And you know, when, when you're saying that, I was thinking to myself, you're also probably writing poetry that she just can't relate to. So she just doesn't get it. So for her, it's not necessarily good work. And this is one of the things too that happens when you think about standardized testing. A most unfair test ever because it is all based on one perspective. Mm -hmm. And so it it reminds me of this saying that that I heard. It's like, well, if you ask a fish to climb a tree, they can't, does that make them less capable? No. If you ask a lizard to swim in the deep ocean, can they do that? (laughs) Like, you know, it's so, it's always that you're playing in one arena. And if you can't play in that arena, then you're dumb or Mm -hmm. you're not doing what's expected. Right. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Jim.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think what makes it, a little bit, I think what makes it sting a little bit more is because when I was like planning, I was planning on dropping this class and the amount of effort that I put into outreaching to her, emailing her, talking to her, trying to do something about it, she would ignore it. And you know, it, she only answered it after the drop deadline. hmm and yeah. I just sat there and I cried to Rebecca, I was like, Oh, my God, I'm gonna have a W in this class, because there's no way I'm going to stay in this class and get belittled. And yeah, it was, it was just, mm, I don't like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're talking about, we're talking
0: about institutions of higher learning that are, that are traditionally all white. Yep. Yes. Uh, yeah. You all, you you all went to Cornell.
3: Yeah. Yeah, we yeah, did. And I wanted to, I think speaking, remembering now Chandler bringing up this, this incident, there's also like, it's not just like having to work harder. It's the mental and emotional toll that puts on you and your self-worth. Cause yeah. I remember, Chandler, like, I remember you going through this and I remember, I remember how upset you were and how upset we were for you too, that you're having to go through this. And we were, we were supporting you the best that we could emotionally, but right. There was just a lot of barriers, a lot of institutional barriers as you we were trying to go about fixing this. And we're so frustrating.
5: Yeah. I've, had a, I've had a similar experience in the sense, like my first year, my GPA wasn't where I wanted it to be, but I had a white male, like, professor at Cornell, who was my advisor, he was like, that's a good GPA, and I looked at him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh no. As, that's called <laughs> bias. <laughs> <laughs> was not, it wasn't a terrible GPA, but it wasn't
5: where I want. Definitely wasn't like applicable for law schools and things like that. Looking back at it, and he was like, "That's like a good GPA to start." And I just looked at him and I was like, "Are you crazy?" Because said, that's
0: well. what he—that's what he expected of you, and he didn't expect that. You know, he's he, in his mind, he's going oh honey, you're not going to go to law school. This is a great GPA for you to do other things, but you're not going to get that GPA to go to, you know, it's, it's kind of that condescending tone. And this is, this is one of the reasons that it's very hard to prove sometimes discrimination in, in, in certain areas, because you know, that for you your standards you're like no i got to be up here i know i can be up here this is where i want to be and this is what i want to do and yet someone else is going oh no 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 don't worry honey you know you'll be fine it's going to be fine you don't need to why would you set your sights so high and get so disappointed that sort of thing and you're going what kind of sense does this make <laughs> I never
5: went back to him after that because I, it was just a waste of time to talk to him. Right. I just felt like if you're not gonna be helping me in my mission, then what's the point of having you in my life?
2: Mm-hmm. 100%.
1: Mm-hmm. Honestly, mentorship
2: is really hard to find too as well.
1: Yes. I, I think for me, that's one of the, like, for the, for the white professors who are listening, um, <laughs> I think one of the things that people don't get and I will say that, you know, I have done this myself. So I'm not going to say like, I never do this. I'm pure. but <laughs> Like I try not to. And I'm aware that I could, which I think is an important first step um, is they don't understand that like young people of color can do everything right, everything right and get thwarted at every single turn. Yes, And their white counterparts, can have so much, they have such a long leash, you know, they can screw up so much. So many times. And there's just a lot of, you know, oh, well, we'll take care of you and we'll help you, you know, it's. Oh,
0: they have so much potential, you know, they, they have their whole lives ahead of them. Exactly. You know, as if students, you know, black students and students of color don't have that same potential and that same whole life ahead of them.
1: Right. It's,
0: it's a very, it's so odd to me. You know when these things come up, I'm just like I just don't understand. I don't understand, and it's. (laughs) I
1: think there's such a blind spot. I mean, I I call it like the white blind spot. (laughs) You know, like in your car where you just don't see that car coming. You know, I mean, I I, you know I had a really shameful thing that I did without knowing that I was doing. It was actually um, at a university I went to. And I don't know if I told you guys this story. It's, it's one of the worst stories. I, I actually did a talk at MIT, and I became very good friends with one of the women who works there. And she said, "Eliza, the one thing you don't say is you don't give an. You talk about your own issues with race, you know, why you've done this wrong and that wrong. But there's always a kind of a reason. You've got it. I'm sure you've done something once for no reason." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yes." And she said that you have to do that because, you know, sometimes people just don't know what they're doing. And so it was at this university and I said, listen, I need people to do my communication class first, then my interview class. It's very, very important you do it in that order. And the school said, sure. Second day, this, the only black woman in the entire group shows up. And she, and I'm frustrated because she was supposed to go to both days. So I'm sitting there, you know, and she kind of has her arms crossed and she's looking at me and she's go, when we put our, we, you know, we say our names, she's kind of, kind of seems grumpy. And, um, you know, so I gave her as much time as everyone else, but I should have given her a little more because she'd missed the day before. But I was frustrated because in my mind, she had blown off the day before. So I was like, okay, this woman blew off the day before. I'm not going to take away from the time of the rest of the group. Um, then we walked back together because I am directionally challenged. So they had a walker for me to get me back to my hotel room. So the, my walker was her one of her best friends. And apparently what had happened is that she had asked to be in this workshop, both workshops for me. She was shut out by a younger white student who the woman who brought me there favored. So she couldn't get in. After the first day, her friends came to her and said, you have to fight to get into this class. It's so good. She argued with the administration for a day, got into my class, and then into my workshop. And given all the work I do on this, I didn't think for a second, huh, I wonder why the black girl is the only girl coming on the second day. I wonder if it has nothing to do with her. And to this day, it just actually makes me want to cry thinking about that because I was like, it was just, I thought, oh my gosh, like I'm doing this work and I just, I I should have known better, you know? So if someone like me who does this can do that, you know, then any white person can do that, which is why I'm so adamant that like we have to self-reflect all the time or else we just you know, we're going to, we're going to screw it up, but then, you know, what do you do? And I actually said to the woman, the woman who walked me there was, she told me the story. The woman didn't tell me. I said, please tell her if she'd like to talk to me. I'd like to apologize, like to give her a free session. She didn't want to. I got it because why would she trust me? You know, you know, so I just think it's so important for, for people to realize, like, usually if a young woman of color or young person of color, there's something amiss don't like, assume there's probably something institutional before you even like as one of the options, at least think of that as one of the options before you start making any other assumptions. Right. I think it gets lost sometimes that
0: difficulty that young students of color and black students run into, like you said, at every juncture. Right. First, you get into this institution and people look at you as if you don't belong there. That's not your spot. You took someone else's spot. How is that even possible (laughs) that you took someone else's spot when everybody was sending in information and everybody had the same opportunity? Why does it seem that you took someone else's spot, but they won't look at a white student and say that that student took someone else's spot? because the baseline is the school is for white students. If you're here, you took a white student spot. It's really interesting to me how hard it is and yet how resilient we are to keep it moving. Yesterday was a really tough day for me because of the Dante Wright situation. My son is turning 15 in September, and I'm scared to death of the next year when he will be behind that wheel, because I know that every time he gets behind that wheel, he's not just taking his life in his hands because he's, he's powering a, a, you know, a, a, a machine, but because if he gets stopped in that machine, we don't know what will happen. So yesterday, I, I lost it. Yesterday afternoon, I, I did work in the morning. I got to a certain point and I lost it in the afternoon. I was, you know, my poor husband, <laughs> he's sitting there. Okay, okay. You know, my husband is white. And so I'm raging. I'm raging. I'm like, it's not fair. I'm so mad. You know, All these things. I'm raging and I'm raging and I'm raging. And then I stop and then I have some wine. And then I tell myself, and I know, I got to pull it, I got to pull it back together. I got to pull it back together and I just got to keep it moving and I've got to compartmentalize it and not allow it to be that thing that makes me that, you know, helicopter mom, like, no, you can't, you can't take the car unless somebody's with you. You can't do, you know, all these things because it's just, it's, it's a lot and it starts from very early for us right? People of color, black people, it starts from very early because constant messaging, constant pushing back and and all of that. So I think you, you ladies are quite amazing already because you thinking of things that I actually, at your age, I was not even thinking about. Like I was not thinking about, was I self-reflective? Was I being, was something happening to me because was it different was it happening to me differently than it was happening for someone else i was just like oh i'm just gonna go through life i'm just okay you know but you guys have to think about a lot more and so you know i i'm i'm so impressed with this with your generation the 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 generations behind us i'm so impressed with you guys and the work that you do and the and the thought that you put behind the things that you do and, and and all the activism I
4: was not active at your age. I think think race was always at least for me on my mind because going back to the question that you asked earlier like my parents are immigrant they're immigrants from Haiti so we're black and I grew up in a white area so like since nine years old my dad sat down with me and was like you have to be smarter you have to be well behaved the most behaved in the class you can't Go outside the line. So ever since you're young, you're like, "Oh, I have to." Yeah. Think about how I live in this world because of my race and how people see me. So. Yes. Just. Yeah. I'm. I'm also Haitian
0: American. Mm. So I know.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no setting, like, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> but you know when you when you say you know you know Rebecca says she's she's uh with from uh, Grenada right is that
2: what Yeah, you my
5: said? parents
3: are from Grenada.
0: Grenada um haiti west indian parents genesis
3: i'm not sure where where's your heritage from so mexican my dad was born in mexico my mom was born here in the u.s but okay we're all mexican mexican (laughs) right and what
0: Mm -hmm. about you chandler
2: um my mom is jamaican and british and my dad is just jamaican jamaican yeah this this
0: group right here <laughs> the the roots in this group right here is rooted in you gotta do good you gotta be a doctor lawyer you know uh, engineer you gotta you gotta push, push 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 even on top of the fact that you know, society says to you, you, you got it. You just know that you have to be better. If you just want to get the least of whatever, you've got to be better than everyone. You can't, you can't, you can't fake it. Right. You can't fake mm-hmm. it. And which is why, you know, when we're talking about taking that space, you know, like Rebecca took that year, that is a hard thing to do. It is hard for those of us who've been told you've got to do you've got to got to got to got to to get from this push 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 to the oh my gosh no I really need to take care of myself. It's really it mm-hmm. it, it doesn't compute properly. You're like nope. and, you know
2: <laughs> nope. And then I think what's even at least from what's happening with me right now like we we have like those conversations continuously. Like it's not like a oh, one and done. Uh, it's not a one and done conversation. Like, I was just having a conversation with my mom the other day because I got accepted to grad school and I'm going to Hofstra to do my post baccalaureate before I go to med school. And she was like, You know, you're not where you're, you're, you're not where you're, where you need to be. And I'm like, Where do I need to be? What I want to do is like be in the moment. Like, I know that I graduated college, graduated college when I was 20. I was already trying to be ahead of the game, because I'm always on go. And I can't take a year or a year and a half to just say, where do I really need to be? Like, what is my purpose? Everyone's already made that purpose decision for me. And I made that decision for myself yet. And so it's like, it's never, it's never like, and they can't trust you. I think they don't have, they have trust issues. (laughs) My parents have trust issues with me. And they're like, um, I don't know if you are the right person to deal with your own destiny and i'm like but i but you made me i don't i don't get it uh, so it's never it, it's never like a, a one time conversation like i could never sit sit down with my mom one time have one conversation and it never come back up again it will come back up again when i don't do the dishes it will come <laughs> back up again when i don't bring the clothes upstairs like it's it's never like it's a it's never a good
1: time to have this conversation <laughs> I so get it. It's so true. See, oh, sorry. I, she sounds like actually my, my kids would probably say the same thing about me.
0: <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. You know, when I was in college, I wanted to go away uh, one year to, to teach conversational English in Korea. Mm. And before asking my Haitian parents if I could go for that year to, to Korea, I knew that I had to answer that first question that they were going to have because it was my senior year that I, it was my, it was my, yes, it was my senior year that I was going. When are you going to finish school? you know, you have to finish school. right? And so I had to make sure that I had all my little ducks in a row. Don't worry. I'm taking correspondence courses. It's all set up. I'm going to come back and then I'm going to graduate in August instead of June, but I'm going to graduate in August, but I'm still going to graduate the same year that I'm supposed to graduate. It's going to be fine. And when they felt that that was a good answer, they were like, okay, it's fine. But had I not had that plan, had I not even thought about that, I would have.
2: It wouldn't even would, be. They,
0: they would, mm. I would have not have gone. They were like, "No, no, no, no. You need to finish school. School
4: is more important. You need to put it <laughs> school is everything." When I told my dad I wasn't pre-med anymore, he mourned for like a year. <laughs> he still brings it up now, and I'm, that's like five years ago. <laughs>
3: <laughs> my family was not having it when I so I, I majored in psychology. In my undergrad and graduate school I'm social work. Sure. They were just kind of like, "What are you going to do with that?" Like they definitely wanted me to go into engineering. It's just kind of like, "So what? You're just going to psychoanalyze?" But they're energy. still just kind of like, "Are you going to make money though? Yeah. Are you going to make money doing?" That? Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, and on the the one hand, I can totally understand because they're all immigrants, right? And Mm -hmm. they came to this country to build something and they want to make sure that you're going to continue building that Mm -hmm. thing, right? And that the opportunities that they have fought to get for you, that you're going to take full advantage of, (laughs) but you're like, okay, but it's my life now, so (laughs) You think that I can make the decisions for me? I don't know, you know, Um, so we totally get it. But yeah, it's, it's the the pressure is real. That's why it's also so important to be able to just pull back and sit back and say, you know what, screw that. I'm going to binge watch Friends, you know? I'm sitting here this afternoon. I'm in my pajamas. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have my wine. I'm going to have my snacks and I'm going to binge watch something, you know? And it's so important to just be able to do that because, Mm -hmm. because go, go, go. And, and honestly, I'm coming from a place where I was go, go, go. I was very much, I got to do this. I got to do this. I said, I was going to do this. I said, you know, I was on time timelines and things like that when I was building my other business. And then I got cancer. And then you get cancer and you go, what am I doing? Like, really, honestly, like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not enjoying not anything that I'm doing. Nothing that I'm doing is getting me up in the morning, getting me excited. And that's where, but also I had to sit back. I had to sit and let my body heal. So there are two things working oh my God, I really want to move in the direction that I want to go. I got to go. I got to go. But wait, I've got to chill and take care of myself and listen to my body and my mind. And so I'm constantly fighting both, right? I'm constantly going, I got to, I got to, nope, nope, nope. I'm, I, I've got to also do this. And, and really, when I think about it, the, the last couple of years, I've made bigger strides in the last 2 years taking more time out out and off than I did many years prior to that where I was constantly pushing 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 and going so we we do have a lot of pressure that we feel and that we get
1: especially children of immigrants <laughs> I also think there's oh Oh, I think some of that is coming from a place of understanding that that barrier. You know what I mean? That that is going to meet them. I mean, I was thinking when you were talking about, you know, how you always hear, you know, kids of color saying that. Sorry, you guys seem, you know, you guys are young women now, but I'm I'm much older, so um, the kids. I still call my kids kids. <laughs> it's so mad, um, but uh, but young people of color. Um, you know, you'll, they'll hear you're lucky to be here. And I always have to laugh because I'm like, actually, you're right. Affirmative action is a terrible thing. And guess who gets it? Legacies. (laughs) Legacies get it. They are in their own pile. They're mostly white. And they have like this standard to let in a legacy. (laughs) You got to spit on your application. Do you know what I mean? It's not that, but it's pretty low. And so when I hear this, I'm thinking, You know, but yet there's no one somehow that isn't the thing. Everybody's outraged. We got outraged for two minutes because people bought their way into, you know, wherever, you know. uh, Yeah. And that's it. And I think um, one of the things that, you know, we've talked about with you is just the importance of, you know, finding people, you know, and Alma and I were talking about, Alma's the forward writer of my book and she's brilliant. She was the former CMO of Cirque du Soleil. I have to shout out to her. I love you, Alma. Um, They met her the (laughs) other day. We're all going to have a pajama party. But one of the things you want to do as an older woman, you know, uh, and this is also kind of going out to the people listening, is like, when you find young people, like, don't assume they're going to have the same contacts and opportunities that your children do. You know, like they just might not. And so if, so it's kind of like, I think one of the only ways we're going to actually disrupt the systemic issues is by women mentoring women and actually using their privilege, whatever that privilege is, whether it's wealth or whiteness or fame to, to help, to give the contacts to people and give those connections to people that they might not otherwise have, or else That is how you get these things. I mean, it just is. So many things have 100% to do with somebody told somebody and you got that thing. And, you know, it's, and so I think that's another thing people really need to, it's not just about not doing a bad thing or not saying, you know, you're, you know, you shouldn't, it's also about proactively making sure that you are getting the people that you're mentoring or your friends with, or your, you love into the ring, into the, the ring with the other kids, you know, cause sometimes they can't even step into the ring. They don't even know the ring exists you right. know, because no one told, you know, you don't, I mean, my parents trained me about this stuff and I didn't know I was being trained. Oh yeah. You should go talk to so-and-so they can connect you with so-and-so, you know, I yeah. was trained to do this yep. viscerally from a young age. And I think that's that's a big thing that, that I am a proponent of is making sure that we're also, so that they can go do those other things. Yeah. Because those are the slightly, or the more risk you can take means you need more support to take that risk. Right, no? Yeah.
2: yeah. I think it's also thinking about uh, access very much differently. Because um, I was just thinking when I, before I went to school, my mom was like, you need to make friends with the rich kids like you can be nice and like have them in your corner but like you're going to need them and i never understood it because I'm like why would I be friends with somebody just because they have money like I, I don't really have that much money so it's not like I could like do the Joneses type thing where I meet like match up with them in terms of money and like access but now that I'm thinking about it it's like no it's because like all the times that they have this money and they go to their socials like the country clubs and the golf clubs with their dads and their moms or they go and have like social events those kids are being taught how to network and how to get in, in touch with the people that they want to get in touch with because I never understood kids who had a job by the time we were in fall semester, senior year. I was like, <laughs> what are you doing to get a job? Like, I am still trying to figure out if I want to go to medical school or not. And you guys have a job already? And, I was, and mm-hmm. honestly, when I sat down with someone, it was like, he told me like, the main reason I got the job is because I went out with this guy. I, I went out with this guy to, to for, for drinks and we were just in a big group and I just decided to talk to him. And he said, his dad was the, you know, the VP of uh, of the football. I think it was like the Vikings or something like that. And he wanted to go into sports. So they kept in touch. And eventually he was like, Hey, my dad needs an intern for the summer. Do you want it? It's for, it's, it's yours if you want it. And I'm like, it's yours if you want it, like, where's that for me? And it's like, just, it's just figuring out that access is like very much like being trained to just talk to people. And like, even when in the book, it's talking about claiming space and being able to, you know, maneuver in spaces that aren't your own. It's also talking about, like, you need to speak to the people who you are uncomfortable with speaking to because they look intimidating, because they are, they're showing themselves up in a, in a different way, or they're just the leader of the group. And it's almost like a, a, a mean girl's tactic. Like, if you talk to the leader of the group and the leader of the group likes you, everybody else will respect you. <laughs> but, like, once again, it shouldn't have to be like that. But um, eventually, like, we just have to, like, grow up and talk to those people that we don't want to talk to and it's I've seen very much like people say like oh why don't you go talk to that guy oh no he's um he's got so many people around him I don't want to talk to him right now and then you forget to talk to that person yeah. but you just walk in the middle and say hey can I speak to you for a second or hey you got a moment or or just join the conversation but be the person that makes everybody laugh or you know try to figure out ways that you can make yourself noticed um it's it it, it'll lead you to either finding out that that person is very going to be very useful or finding out if that person is just you know a person who just exuberates themselves very much and they'll eventually have some use for you later
1: Right. I think think also, Chandler, you can find people. It's not always easy because there's this huge, huge gap of experience, right? Like your experience is so different than their experience. Your lives are different. So the commonalities are hard, but you can find people you genuinely like who are in those circles. And those people tend to be the cooler people. And then they'll become hardcore advocates. You know what I mean? So I always say like, Find, like, two or three people, and I'm getting into mentoring mode here, but find two or three people that you really actually like, and yeah. don't worry about everybody else, because you're not, because you're such an honest person, Chandler, you wouldn't be able to keep that up, like, nope. you, you, you know, like, you just wouldn't. It's better to I'd just show all over me. your face. Yeah, and show <laughs> all over your face. You'd be like, I don't know, and also, you're very, you have great integrity, you're very outspoken, mm. so, like, just... Find those two or three people that, that are from a different experience who you truly like, and then go connect with those people. And then they can help you with the connect, 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 connect. I mean, I'll tell you with my book right now, um, I have found even with a publicist that to get into certain levels of the media, especially with this book, because this book is a disruptive book and people don't want it to be seen. So you have to find people to get you around. I, you know, I keep thinking of that little thing, this whole theme of my book like the other day is, you remember that going on lion hunt, I'm not afraid, can't go over it, can't go under it, gotta go around it. I've been having to go around <laughs> all of these largely white male decision makers because the reporters are like, oh, the woman is like, I love this. And then they go to the decision maker and the decision maker is like, I don't know Nobody if this wants is the right fit. That. We don't want that. And then it gets next. So, you know, yeah. I think that, so for me, all those relationships have been key. So I would say to all of you, because I can't help myself, you, you know, keep working on forging those connections. It's so, so important, you know? Yeah. Get,
0: you know, connect with those people who are ready, willing, ready and willing to see what I call it is spend their privilege on you.
2: Oh yeah.
0: So that they're, they're ready and willing to say, you know what, I'm going to, I will think of you when I'm in that room and someone asks me to do something and I'm not able to, I'll think of you when I, when I hear of someone else needing something, I will think of you because I want to spend, take the privilege that I have and spend it and help you gain something from it so that you can then do the same thing which is what you know eliza was saying when she was saying you know you want to get people who are going to help you right so find those mentors they're out there Mm -hmm. and show yourself to be ready and willing and make sure that people know what it is that you're doing right so many times we don't really tell people what we're studying what we're looking to do what we want to do because social socially women are not usually saying all of that what people look at you they look at you and they go oh one day she's going to get married and have some babies and she's going to be a housewife honestly that is that is that is still what people look at and they say oh she's going to do that until she has babies and then she's going to just be home right mm-hmm. but we know especially as women of color that that's not the path that we're trying to 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 forge that's not the path that mm-hmm. is for us and that's not to say that that's a bad path cuz I don't want anybody you know listening to this and go but you said no that's not a bad thing but what i'm saying is if there are other things that people want they should be able to pursue that and be able to have someone help them along that way as well so speak up right speak up and say oh you know when someone says oh so what are you doing oh i'm going to what is it? UT, Texas, and I'm studying to be a therapist. And my focus is this, that, and the other. I'm really excited about doing that, you know, that sort of thing. Because then people will say, oh, okay, you know, or tell me more or what have you. But it's really about you saying also, and then connecting with those people that you, because you don't, like Eliza said, you don't have to connect with everybody because not everybody is going to resonate with you. Yep. hmm for real, <laughs> I, think I, was, I see you. Sorry,
3: <laughs> when, it, when it came to networking, I was honestly very terrified of it. I was terrified of it being because, like, I definitely was not taught or set up to be thinking about things in that way. When my when I went to college, my family just like focused on their grades. Like, that's it. it. Focus on your grades and you'll do good. But that's not it. That really isn't it, right? So I had to learn that going through it. But moreover, I feel like I was taught and even just personality-wise, I was just really anxious and I was taught to be, or like obedience was very important, right? Mm. And being quiet was very important, right? Being a good student. (laughs) And that those aren't the things that are gonna be helping you when you're trying to navigate this system, when you're trying to navigate going around these people. And it was very difficult for me, that that kind of conflict and I've had to, I've had to learn a lot. I have had to, I've had to learn a lot and how to be more comfortable with myself, more comfortable in these settings. But moreover, even just like the idea of networking in and of itself, like I, I absolutely hate the idea. It, it It's very revolting for me to think about networking. And I think the way that it was presented for me is like how, how you use people. Like, oh, <laughs> I hate that. Like that is yep. not the way that like I want to, it's yeah. about- you right yep. and I'm like oh no 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 like that that's why I stayed away from it because I'm like that's not how I want to treat people those aren't the kinds of relationships that I want to foster like I'm a very relational person but I think like that kind of mentality I it, w- it was just so wrong for who I was and for like my values and it, it and I think you have to and I don't know maybe as a person of color right you have to take a more radical approach that like that's not the way that I'm going to be used. like of course I think we can all understand why relationships are important but I think the way go about them can be different and in that, right, you can be radical with that, right? Like, as in, I am, you know, as you meet this person, like, and and you do resonate with them, right? Like, I am here with you, I'm here to support you and I'm here to uplift you and us together. It's not just about like this exchange and barter system. Mm-hmm. Right,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. When you say that, what what I'm realizing even now is that a lot of the mm-hmm. ways that business has been done traditionally has been geared toward a certain demographic, a white mm-hmm. cisgender male, mm-hmm. right? No matter what mm-hmm. it is that you're they're talking about, the ways that we go about them, which includes networking, the ways that you network, has been geared to that demographic. But now mm-hmm. when we open it up to more demographics, we open it up to, to women and we open it up to more people of color and black people. and and people who are disabled, and we open it up to more people, there has to be a shift, there has to be a change in the way that we network, in the way that we forge relationships, in the ways that we do business, right? And so I love that you said that you are learning to become more comfortable with yourself because that's what's so important. It's important that we become more comfortable with ourselves so that we can forge something different. We see everybody else mm-hmm. doing this over here and we're like, that doesn't work for me. I'm gonna do it this way and be okay with that and see if we can have other people who resonate more with that versus the other thing that you, you don't really wanna you do. Uh, I'm I'm really finding that now a lot in what I'm doing in that there are ways that I don't wanna market. I I don't wanna market in certain ways. And I really am a connection relationship person. I want to connect with you. I want to have relationship with you. And I know it's not possible to do that if I have like 3000 followers and things like that, but I want it to still feel that way. I don't ever want it to feel another, any other way. And I certainly don't like the idea of oh, it's all about the money because a lot of things out there is like all about the money, all about the money. Certain demographic, right? So we have to find different ways to do it for ourselves. And so I, I like that, you know, comfortable with you, what makes you feel good, and then and then go out there and, and kind of do that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Dr. Sure. Dr. Francois Dr. Booker Drew is a very good friend of mine. She actually did her PhD. A lot of it is on um, people of color and networking. And she's, I wish that I had had her in my book. I met her after um, when I was on her podcast, uh, when I was talking about the book. Um, but but she, you know, we talk a lot, we became good friends and we talk a lot about just the disruptive nature of forming an alternative network. You know, it's actually very disruptive yeah. to find other women and who are like-minded <laughs> and support each other because historically that has not happened. And women have often been pitted against each other. And so I think that there's something incredibly powerful about being with people who are not from your background and who are not, you know, because you learn from them, they learn from you and, and and it's a beautiful learning experience. And when I need something from someone who needs help with X, Y, and Z, I can go to that person, they can go to me and I gotta tell you, like, dudes have been doing that in locker rooms forever, forever. forever. <laughs> right? So why are we letting them have a monopoly on that? Like, nah. Like that's yeah. what my daughter would say, nah. Like that's not, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rebecca? I think
5: I had like the op- I got matched with my mentor. She's Swati. She's, in- she's Indian American. She's the head of career services at New York Law School. And I think one of the things, that, although we have different backgrounds completely, she's been like a, the greatest help toward me because all of my mentors have been women in some sort of way, because I do believe women can work together. Like she's been able to, she got me an interview for the law school and I found out very, that I got in. But although I didn't end up going there, I ended right. up at Brooklyn Law. She got me a job. My, I was looking for jobs throughout my sophomore year. She got me a job with one of her friends from her law school. And then I worked for there that summer. And then also she got she got me another job my senior year spring. She recommended me somewhere. I got the job there. Yeah. And like she's just been like very instrumental in my instrumental in my legal career, even like I just to have her. Like I've known her since I was 14, 15. And we still talk 10 years later. Like I know her children, I know her family. Okay. So it's like it's very important to have those connections. I think for me as someone who's like very shy by nature, I don't like, I think especially kind of the way I grew up, it's like, you don't want to come off as a user or you don't want to come off as that person who's just like, I just want you for this, this and that. And I don't want, I never want to come off as that person who is just like, I like you, but can you help me with this? I never want to come off with that. And I'm just trying to combat that because people do genuinely want to help you is that you have to like also take the initiative. And that's kind of where I'm trying to start to learn being in like a predominantly white field where there's only 2% Mm. of black women.
1: Yeah, yeah. And think of it as support. Don't think of it as I want. Think of it as, you know, you are supporting them. They are supporting you. Yeah. And in the long run, it will all even out. I mean, you guys are supporting me. You know, you are supporting me, I'm supporting you. <laughs> we're all going to even out. Thank you, Chandler. No, I mean, when we were having a conversation with Alma, my, you know, the other day, uh, Rebecca, um, and I said to everybody, you know, hey, we really have to, everybody put their stuff out there. And then Alma mentioned she, you might, I'm going to embarrass you, but I, if she that she works somewhere. And then Chandler called me and said, right, uh, all caps, emergency, Eliza, emergency. And then she said, Rebecca is actually reply, applying to where, Uh, Alma used to work and so then I called Alma and now she's going to put in a word and blah 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 and like that's how we disrupt you know that is how we do it and I think it's great you know and um, you know you I think you gotta move away from the idea that you're taking because first of all it feels good to give you know what I mean it feels good to help people so, it, you know, just think I'm right now I'm, the, I'm in the receiving end of this relationship. And one day I'm going to be on the giving end of this relationship, right. you know? Yeah.
5: alma yeah, yeah. has been like, she, like she said, send me all the stuff that you need. I have my interview tomorrow. She's so she's like, tonight we're going to have a meeting for an hour. Let's prep. Let's do this. Let's get you ready for tomorrow. And like, my I didn't realize just like, just after meeting her, like how much she'd be helpful. Hopefully mm-hmm. I get that. Like, yeah, she's been. She's been amazing so far.
1: Alma is an amazing person. And she doesn't do it and feel depleted. She feels happy, you know? She's helping me with my book. She's, you know, tapping me into a bunch of networks I might not have normally been a part of. She's, you know, and and that's just, we like doing that for people, you know? And, and I'm, you know, yeah. I think all, yeah, right? I mean, we love it. So don't think of it as a burden. Think of it as one day, I'm, I am think of it as you're mentoring about mentoring because one day you're gonna do that for people. And so right. you're getting you're to gonna, You're, you're, you're it paying you. it, you're paying it forward, right?
0: Someone, yep. someone's someone's doing it for you because maybe someone did it for them. And so you're gonna, you're the beneficiary of this, and then you're gonna say, you know what? When it's my turn, I'm gonna pay it forward. I'm going mm-hmm. to find that person that I can then spend my privilege on or put a good word in for. And it's just paying it forward and just keeping, keeping it going. And you also have to remember that you have something to offer. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So when you're asking someone to help you, you're just saying, will you simply help me bring my gifts to the right place or to Mm -hmm. the right person? So you are worthy of that ask. And if they can help, then they can help. If they can't, maybe they know somebody who can, and then, you know, that person will see your worth and, and put you forward. So mm-hmm. you have to kind of, you know, remember that too. Eunice, did you have something you wanted to say?
4: No, I just, I really liked how both you, Eliza, and Seti, kind of emphasize the fact that it's not like we're taking or we're using. It's like yeah. support and I'll do it eventually to you too. I, that's like actually transformational thinking like yeah thank you yeah honestly
2: mindset is everything especially like in the medical field it's so hard to like avoid imposter syndrome as a woman of color i don't know why yes. i can't i just don't know why it's not avoidable but it's like you could be the smartest person in the room and still feel like you don't belong there and now that I'm trying to, like, look for an internship or, like, a shadowing, it's so hard to just go up to doctors or email doctors and be like, hi, my name is Chandler, and, like, I went to Cornell, and, like, you know, name drop all the good things about me, and I'd still feel like, mm, I don't know if I'm going to get it or not, because I might not be as good as someone who would come in with the same credentials, but just be, a diff- just be, like, my white counterpart, and it's so weird.
0: And that's the story that we've been told. That's the story that permeates. It's like it's in the air. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I swear it's in the air. You know, there. You know, at one point, I don't remember my daughter, who's ten years old now, but at one point, she said something. Um, oh, I- I've written about this. So it was right after 2016 election, and uh, Donald Trump was elected president. And she was at my mom's house and, you know, she had this conversation with my mom. And so when I went to go pick her up, my mom, you know, she comes to me and she said, you know, I was talking to e- e- Eunice understands, you know, I was talking to uh, <laughs> <Zia."> the <Perfect> accent. <laughs> and uh, we talked about, uh, you know, the, the president and, and so she, she was talking about, about this election and she asked Zia she says do you know what happened and Zia said yeah she says you know we have a new president she said yes and she said do you know who it is she said yes it's Donald Trump and she said and my daughter said but I don't like him he's black and so so I was like oh she said yeah and so you know and so my mom so my mom just kind of left it for me and i was just like oh my god what am i doing i'm not doing my job what the heck and i don't even understand what's happening here so anyway fast forward a few weeks you know and i'm like it's in my head because i'm like i don't understand why she would say that it's in my head so then i'm combing her hair before she's going to school one day And and I said to her, I'm like thinking in my head. Okay, this is a good time. We're here. I'm just gonna talk to her. I said, I'm I'm thinking to my. I said, say. I said, I said, baby, you know that um, mommy is black. And she said, really? I said, yes. I said, and you know that grandma and, and papa are black too. She said, oh really? She says, am I black? I said, yes. You're my daughter, so you're black. And she said, mommy what is black?
2: Ooh.
0: I was like, mm. Mm. Hmm. okay. That's hard. But in, in, but in her mind, right? And so I thought in her mind, black was bad. So she had equated oh. him with bad. And so she called him black. So she did not realize that black was what we were called for our skin color because for her, we're brown. And I'm with her on that one, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, it's just it's one of those things that you just kind of go, wow, right? So I know who said Chandler, you have to leave us. Yes. It yes, has ma'am. been such a pleasure, Chandler, <laughs> to
4: meet you. Thank you. That was yes, me. Ma'am. I have a work yes. meeting at one thirty. Okay. Absolutely. You know, we got to keep. Oh, we this we should take going. a picture. Right, Oh yeah Chandler. Chandler, you leave. Oh, Chandler oh.
1: come back. Oh. Let's take, take, a, a, let's take I, a picture. Take I'll a take quick. one right now. Everybody get ready. Let's smile. All right, here we go. One, two, three. All right. Oh, I think we got it. Yes. All right. Okay.
4: Yay. All, All right. Oh, such a pleasure,
0: ladies. Thank you, Chandler. Rebecca. Awesome. Thank you Eunice. so much, it's Genesis. So thank yeah. you, and Eliza. Thank you so much for bringing these beautiful young ladies together with us. And your book is a woman's guide to claiming space. Stand tall, raise your voice, and be heard. And it has just been released. So we're gonna. I'm gonna put it down in the show notes and make sure that everyone has an easy way to purchase it so that they can claim their spaces ladies
1: right we're going to claim our space and they are all they finished the book so they're the last in the last chapter of the last part before the conclusion their words which are brilliant and i couldn't have done better close out the book
0: you get to hear from these lovely ladies in the book from their their own perspectives so it has been such a pleasure i'm so excited to have done this with you it's my first group podcast so yay thank you
4: thank you for having us thank you so much
1: you're amazing thank you
4: so i love much. you guys good to see you it was
1: amazing. Mwah. Mwah.
0: Bye. Bye. <laughs> did you enjoy that episode if so please remember to download, rate, review, and share. It's the only way that the word is going to get out. If you'd like to be entered to win a copy of Eliza's book, A Woman's Guide to Claiming Space, Go to the Facebook group, Dishing on Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, and enter below the image there. You can also enter via Instagram under Diversity Dish and the image that you'll find there also about the contest. Looking forward to seeing you there. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next
5: time.